Parenting, one of the hardest, most joyous privileges we can have in this life. How can we obey and perform God's call to raise our children up? In this new series of messages called Raise Them Up, Pastor Chris Chadwick teaches from the Bible God's plan for parenting. Take your Bibles tonight. Turn to Psalm 100, 127. Psalm 127 tonight. Psalm 127. I have plans of not preaching very long tonight. I have plans. Let's see if we can follow your plan. Psalm 127, verse number one, the Bible says, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh, but in vain. The the watchman was the guy who'd walk around the city walls. And he would, just like many of you that have served in the military, he would have a watch that he would have to do. And there would be a certain period of time. He'd have the first, second, third, fourth watch, whatever the case may be. And he would have to work that. And not only he, but there'd be many people, many men on those walls around the city of Jerusalem, which would be the, the city that David is talking about, or Solomon is talking about here. And uh, uh, except... And Solomon is saying, we could have the greatest military power in all the world, but if the Lord doesn't protect the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. If the Lord doesn't do it, you have the greatest military might in all the world. If the Lord doesn't do the work, it's vain, it's worthless. Why? Because God is the great protector. And that's what he's saying there. It is vain, verse number two, it is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Here's what he's saying in verse number two, just to give you some background as we work our way to the idea of the text uh, and, and the idea of the message. It, it's worthless to get up early and to sit up late and to eat the bread of sorrows, to stress yourself out. Why? Because God's in control and he giveth his beloved sleep. Oh, sleep is a biblical principle. Now, some people struggle physically to sleep, but more people struggle emotionally to sleep. We're stressed out and anxious and worried about things. That might be something that we take to the Lord, where he says, be careful or anxious, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And so in Psalm 127, it's, it's vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. For so he giveth his beloved sleep. And, and by the way, it's, we could read this verse. This would be the Chadwick interpretation, 2022, you ready? It's vain for you to rise up early and to sit up late and watch YouTube all night long. For so he giveth his beloved sleep. Yep, just saying. And then Solomon helps us out here. Verse number three, Lo, children are in heritage of the Lord, a blessing of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is his reward. It's a wonderful blessing when you have children. I'll, I'll say that again. Children are a wonderful blessing from God. If you hear me say that and you have kids, say amen right there. Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of mighty men, so are children of the youth. Have children when you're young. Some of you on this side of the aisle should have heard that a while ago. This isn't new. 
So are children of the youth or the really old age. Some of you are like, I retired, my kid graduates the same year. As arrows are in the hand of monuments, or children of the youth. Happy is the man that has his quiver full of them. Some of you, tired is the man that has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed. They shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Now tonight, this is so uncommon for, for me to do this and for our church. It kind of flies. As a matter of fact, I probably wouldn't let any of our staff do this. And that is to preach a, a, a topical message. And by topic, I mean this, that I want to preach tonight on encouraging older kids and teens. And I want to help you to parent older kids and teens. And I, I, we are a primarily an expositional preaching church. That even when we preach on a topic, we're going to have a section of scripture and we're going to derive the points, the ideas, and the thoughts from that. But tonight, uh, after preaching for several months on parenting uh, sporadically, I want to take a few minutes this evening and just kind of share some thoughts there. Not all, I'm going to tell you right on, this is not a pattern of Canyon Ridge. It will never be a pattern of Canyon Ridge, at least while God gives me the grace and the ability to be the pastor here uh, that we would do this. I don't find this. I want to be very clear. I do not find this as a general rule, a healthy style of preaching on a regular basis. Biblical preaching is staying within the text and determining what the text says and then conveying what the text says. And doing that through the personality of the preacher. So that's what preaching is. What does the text say through the personality of the text? Read the text, explain the text, apply the text through the personality of the preacher. That's why when Bernie preaches, you feel like you're in college. That's why when I preach, you're having fun. Why? Because we're just different personalities. Doesn't mean he's right and I'm wrong. Doesn't mean I'm wrong and he's right. I had one guy one time who was a nuke in our church and he goes, Pastor, I just want to tell you when Bernie preaches, I really get him. He said, my wife gets you and she loves it when you preach. But when Bernie preaches, I really get him. He, and he said this, he preaches on an intellectual level that I understand. <laughs> to which I said, thanks, Master Chief. I have been in kindergarten for quite some time. He goes, oh, I didn't mean it. I said, no, you're a nuke and we understand. You guys don't have any way of communicating. So that's why you like Bernie and I walked away. And we, we, we had a good laugh about that. But through the personality, the personality is the personality that God gave you. Uh, they say within the first 36 hours of, uh, of your life after conception, you've developed, God gave you your personality within the first 36 hours. That's why John Shifus is who he is sporadic all over the place and you say will he ever change we've been asking that for 20 years no he's never going to change uh, <laughs> and he's the only one excited about that so no no we're all excited about that why because it's a beautiful thing so preaching is explaining and applying the text through the personality just i'm being very general I, if i was at a college i'd speak with big words that are seven syllables but through the personality of the preacher but tonight and if you feel me being a little nervous i'm not nervous i just want to be careful that you understand this is not the healthiest form of preaching and should only be done very carefully by a pastor it should only be done carefully why because it's easy to just come up with points and start ranting about stuff 
That's why some of us grew up in churches and it was like the Fox News rerun hour or if you're old enough, the Rush Limbaugh rerun hour every time you went to church or if you go to other, you know, like, like, like churches that aren't conservative, the MSNBC rerun hour. And it's just whatever the, the guy or the, the pastor wants to say, that's what he talks about. Well, I'm, I, that's what we're going to do tonight, but I, it's very biblical, at least in my mind. You can vote later. I'll be gone next week. Um, you're going to encourage older kids and teens. I, I've got eight points here uh, to consider. Number one, love passionately. Love passionately. There, there should be no doubt in your kid's mind that you love them. Now, there's, they're going to doubt because they're kids. But in, their, in the quiet moments, there ought to be absolutely no doubt that you love them. Love passionately. In Psalm, turn there with me if you would, Psalm chapter 36. We'll just do a little Bible study. I didn't, we didn't put a lot of blanks in there. I want you to be able to write quickly and get there. But in Psalm chapter 36 and verse number 7, this is a, a Psalm of David where David is observing the wickedness of his day and, and he has a message given to him by God for God's people. And he is a servant, identifies himself as a servant of the Lord. And notice verse number seven, in the midst of all of this trial, in the midst of all of this struggle, in the midst of an unstable world, uh, in the midst of a wicked and unstable world. Does that not sound familiar? No, listen to me. In the midst of an unstable and a wicked world, notice what David says about the Lord. How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God. Therefore, the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. There ought to be, here's what David is saying. God, this world is really, really wicked, but we trust in your loving kindness. We trust in your love toward us. There's no doubt, Lord, that you love us. Notice the adjective that he uses. How excellent, or whatever, I think that's what it is. How excellent is thy loving kindness. God, we we know without a doubt that you love us. It's above the fold. We understand this. It's excellent. It's awesome. It's understood. It's amazing. It's discussed. I'm surprised by the number of people who tell me, even my peers and people younger than me, and I thought this was an older generation thing, but, but people younger than me, Christians, people in our church who are like, yeah, I've never heard my parents tell me they love me. I've never heard my dad say that he loved me. I've never heard my mom say that he loved me. And here's what I hear from Christian men. Well, I didn't have that growing up. Well, that's no excuse. That's no excuse. Well, I don't want my kid to be soft. How would them knowing that you love them make them soft? That's a ridiculous idea. Your kids ought to know that you love them. Love needs to be stated and love needs to be shown very clearly in your home. 
I, I need to say to my kids every day, hey, I love you. And by the way, it, it shouldn't be, if I could be so bold, it shouldn't be something that, that is hard for me to think about. I, I'll tell you what, we, uh, being a staff member at Canyon Ridge might be a little bit of work, but the wives are the happiest people on the planet. Because if a husband comes to work and they don't tell their wife they love him that day, it's not going to be a good day for them. Did you tell your wife that you loved her? Now, I don't always ask. He just said, I love you. Because so, <laughs> there can be a burpee penalty. There can be suspension without pay. You don't get paid. I'm paying your wife. Did you tell her she's beautiful? Well, pastor, she was sleeping when I left. You wake her up. She'll take that. My wife doesn't want it. Then write it out and, and put it there. Some of them in here, they actually put reminders in their calendar. Losers. <laughs> But to your kids, they need to know that you love them. Your older kids and teenagers, especially if you have girls, need to know that you love them. There needs to be no doubt at all in their mind, I love you and I love you passionately. I don't think there's ever been a time when I've got off the phone with Natalie or Judith where I haven't said I love you. I mean, we might be joking around and, and they hang up on me. But if I'm in control of the conversation, it's always like, hey, I love you. And then I hang up. Hey, I love you. Click. Uh, because I always want to be the first one to hang up. So uh, it's just a stupid family thing. It's a joke that we have. Love, number one, love passionately. Let there be no mistake that you love your kids. Your kids need to hear that a thousand times, a thousand times, a thousand times, a thousand. I remember when Judith was in the womb literally in the womb. And I would put my mouth next to the womb because I read a book that said kids feel vibration in the womb and they can hear you. And I would say, I love you more than your mom. And Debbie and I would laugh and Debbie would slap me and I'd say it again. And we did that with Natalie. And, and, and that kind of love needs to be stated. Now listen, dads, listen to me clearly. Moms, listen to me clearly. They, <laughs> I speak anecdotally as a counselor, youth pastor, pastor, and dad, they will at times doubt your love. They will doubt your love. You say, what can I do to keep them from doubting that my love? Stop, don't have them. They will. Why? Because it's just the nature of man. I mean, come on. Have, how many of us have doubted the father in heaven's love before? Have we not? And yet he showed us his love with the death of Christ on the cross and the gift of the Holy Spirit and the gift of the word and the church and so many wonderful blessings God's given us. And we still doubt his love. Doubting love, if I could be so bold, is part of our fallen nature, part of our condition. You're sitting next to your spouse tonight. Have you ever doubted their love? Don't answer. <laughs> but the reality is you have. That's why we have to go over and above to passionately state how much I love them. I've heard people say this, and many of you probably have too. Some of you may have even said it. Well, they never said they love me, but I know they really did. Would to God that never be said by a Christian. 
and a Christian kid who grew up at Canyon Ridge Baptist Church. And if it's said, I want them to know, and I will tell them, hey, I preached everything in my might or my power or my ability against that. This is not a new message or a new thought, but I want to say first and foremost, what your kids need more than anything else is the reality that you love them and you love them passionately. I'm going to tell you right now, we are not going to finish tonight. I'm not even going to try. Number two, number two, Talk with your kids about the things of God. I used a key word here. Probably should have used this as the blank. I didn't think about it till just now. Talk with your with you with with your kids. With is the key. Not talk to. Some of the Longest sermons I've ever heard are parents to kids. Now, you are the shepherd of your family, and sometimes it's the right thing to do for you to preach to your kids and to teach them and to train them. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not saying that that's not at times necessary, but you need to talk with them to figure out where they're at. I'm going to say something here. You need to be the quietest one in the room when you're talking about the things of God. Why? Because you want to hear what your kids are thinking. And when they open up, here's, here's a principle I tried to live by. Now, I, I have two daughters whom I love with all of my heart, passionately. Judith, Judith has literally got her finger on the mute button back there. <laughs> Who I love passionately. And there are times they come by this naturally from their mother's side of the family. They can get fired up and just start talking. And they can go for it. Now, we'll argue and have fun during those periods. And some of you have been the unsuspecting recipient of a female Chadwick sermon. They get that from their aunt and the Greer side of their family. I mean, they are, they can preach like nobody's business. If God allowed women to be preachers, I'd listen to them. They're good. But there's times when I have to tell them to be quiet. But when they're in sincerity, there have been more than a few times that they have talked and talked and talked and talked and talked and talked. So there's really nothing left to say. Normally, I stop them after they say the same thing for the third time. Like, okay, we've covered this. Can we just have some ice cream? Back when I used to have ice cream. Talk with your children about the things of God. Not just two. Deuteronomy chapter six, verse number seven. Turn over there real quick. Deuteronomy chapter six, verse number seven. Or that might be, is that in your notes? Okay, Deuteronomy chapter six, verse number seven. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thy house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up. Here's the idea here. Talking to your kids about, I am totally messing up the guys on the stream, but Danny, sorry. Um, talking about your kids, to, talking about God to your kids just needs to be a normal part of the day. It doesn't need to be something that you have to really think deeply about. Maybe we could say it this way. It's a habit. Now, in order for something to be a habit, you have to work at it till it becomes a habit. Um, 
Like eating is a natural urge, we have to do it. Working out has to become a habit. And in order, in order to keep the habit going, because how many of you know you can break habits? And you can break bad habits, but you can also break good habits. Um, we're going to Hawaii, and so I, can you tell I'm kind of excited about that? I mean, I, I didn't talk about Kansas nearly this much. Um, though I love Kansas, don't get me wrong, it was wonderful, wonderful, but the, they just don't have an ocean that's 85 degrees there. But I was on the phone yesterday, <clears throat> I think on Friday or Thursday, Brother Byrne and I started talking about, now our wives are going, so they'll entertain each other. And we started figuring out like, hey, what kind of hikes do we want to go in? What cliffs do we want to jump off of? Which will all happen like in one day. And then I called Trey Williams yesterday, like, hey, Trey, can you come with us? And, and then I called Pastor King and Pastor King said, okay, okay, while you're here, do you want to work out here at the church with us? Or do you want to go to the gym with us or the? Uh, CrossFit Oahu or, or what do you want to do? And, and, and we're just trying to stay in, in some of those things, just trying to stay in the habit of it. it. Takes some work. Talking to your kids about the things of God takes work. It takes diligence. It's easier to talk about movies and cartoons and TV and the news than it is the things of God. Why? Because that's the direction our culture is. And he says here, Talk to your children. I love Colossians chapter four, verse number six. Let your speech be always with grace, season with salt, that ye may know how you ought to answer every man. Spend time talking with your kids. And by the way, one of the things I, I, I've, I, I have this internal debate in my mind. And so I've, I've never really preached on it because I have this internal debate going on. And that is this concept of family altar, family devotions. And I want to say this at the outset. I love it when families sit down and read the Bible together. And that's a normal part of the day. That's wonderful. Did you hear me? I think that's wonderful. And when our daughters were small, we did it. But here's the problem I have sometimes is that that can become a singular event of the day. And we talk about the things of God around the breakfast table and the rest of the day, we kind of just let things really go. And the biblical model as I see it is that we are constantly talking about the things of God. Now, my wife, I, I have to say, my wife is, is the greatest example of this that there is. Because I'll just get lost if we're watching TV. I'm not even paying attention. I'm just just kind of listening to the noise or if we're listening to an audio book or when the girls were small, we listened to every Adventures and Odyssey there was on every road trip. And about every five minutes, Judith and Natalie, I don't think I'm exaggerating, about every five, maybe we could get her to 15 minutes, she would pause it or back her own. How many remember when we had tapes and you had to actually turn the power off? And uh, she would stop it and then she would say, hey, wait, 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 we need to talk about being kind one to another. And I'm driving, I'm like, I'll tell you what we need to talk about is you just being quiet. <laughs> nope, she was going to do it. And we would talk and then she would say, Judith, remember when you did this to Natalie? Was that kind? Was that like Christ? Is that what Christ would have you do? And just over and over, you say, how did that go? Well, it didn't always make me super happy, but it was very beneficial for Judith and Natalie. You say, I've seen them not be kind to each other. Imagine where they would be without it. <laughs> Talk with your kids about the things of God. Number three, as they work through their beliefs, re belief, remain faithful to the scripture and help them find hope in the word. 
as they work through their belief. What do you mean work through their belief? Well, just because you bring them to church does not mean that they're going to believe what you believe. Help them work through things biblically. In our day, they will have a lot of questions. They might not have them at 15 or 16. They might have them at 25 or 30. And I've learned this. My daughters aren't old, but they're older than they were. And I've learned that the questions don't stop in the 20s. That's why I can't stop growing and learning, by the way. Because their questions don't say, well, I've learned what I need to learn. No, no, no. Our world is changing faster than it's ever changed. I, I never thought that there would be questions about like transgender issues. When, when we had kids, I never thought that would be an issue. And those of you that are old enough, you remember that wasn't even a question. That was, I mean, if, 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 anybody, if anybody even thought that, we would have thought it was, I mean, how many remember thinking that was a joke? Like, oh, they're just trying to be funny or make money or be popular or whatever. We never thought that was a real thing. And, and now we literally have kindergarten teachers telling children that they can determine what gender they want to be, which is absolutely horrific and satanic on a lot of levels. But it's questions that our kids now have. As they work through their belief, you have to remain faithful to the scripture and help them find hope in the word. The Bible says, word of God is Hebrews 4.12, quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Listen to me. This bit, well, they'll just figure it out. No, they won't. They probably won't. They might. But God has not given your kids to you so they could go figure something out. God has given your kids to you and entrusted them with you for you to figure it out and then you to guide them in the things of God. And you to train them in the things of God. You to lead them while they work through what it is they need to work through. You have to let them work through it. Forced compliance never equals belief. Now, we should have rules in our home that are non-optional. Well, why do we have to do that? Because that's what your mom and I believe. I don't agree with it. You don't have to agree with it, but you do have to do it. If you parent biblically, you're going to be scared 90% of the time. Because you understand that, that as your kids, how old are you, Adrian? 13, how old are you, Nate? 15, how old are you, Ben? He looked 12 right now, doesn't he? Doesn't man look 12? He had that beard. He, he, he looked like a serial killer. Uh, and uh, now he looks like a volunteer at a hospital candy striper. Uh, and, uh, 
But I'm just kidding. I told him, didn't I tell you you look a lot better? I, those were my exact words. I, I said this to him. I said, I think you look. He had that little goatee. I, I said, man, I think that looks really good. Just don't drive a white van. And, um, <laughs> but it looked really good. It, it really did. And I complimented him on it. And, um, but you're not, you're not going to force young people to believe stuff with sheer personality. You have to know what it is that you believe, and you, I'm, I'm being patient because I want to be super clear here. Uh, you have to help walk them through what they believe without them changing what you believe and without you having a terrible attitude about it. You have to let them work through it. Number four, I'll probably give you like two more. Number four, don't let your kids' struggles cause you to walk away from God. I have a family that I love dearly, dearly. Matter of fact, Ben and I were texting about this just the other day. A family that I love dearly. The kids turned about 12, 13, started having some questions. And every time the kids have question, had questions, here was, here was the line that was set, if you will. It was right here. And the kids would buck the line. And so the parents would move. And then here's the new line. And the kids would buck the line. And the parents would move. And now here's the new line. We're not going to change. And the kids would buck the line. And the parents would move. To now, I heard from a couple of people in our church, but I, I heard from... One person in particular says, they don't even resemble a Christian family anymore. Years ago, they were way over there, probably way too far. And now they don't even resemble a Christian family anymore. Why is that? Because every time the kids throw, okay, we'll change that. Okay, we'll change that. Okay, we'll change that. Okay, we'll change that. No, if God's word is right, it's right regardless of your kid's response. Regardless of your kid's response. And the, listen to me, parents. The worst thing you could ever do is let your kids know that your faith is malleable, dependent upon their feelings. As soon as you change because of their feelings, then what you've determined is that they have become the spiritual authority in your life. And so if your seven-year-old wants to do something, it's easier at seven to say no. But if your 15-year-old wants to do something, then we'll just start moving and we'll start moving and we'll start moving because we want to be the cool parents and we want our kids to like us. Hey, if you want kids to like you, don't have them. How many of you are old enough to know your kids don't always like you? How many of you are okay with it? Yeah. Lily Wardlaw told me a couple of months ago, is she in here tonight? Is she in the nursery? helping out over there what a blessing she came in one Sunday morning I think it was and and she said uh, pastor guess what I did this morning at five o'clock in the morning I said uh, I could tell you what I did at five o'clock in the morning she said what's that I said I was sleeping she said not me I forgot to wash my dad's car yesterday she said so I had to wake up and go wash his car at 5 a.m and she looked at me she said what do you think I said I think you have a wonderful dad <laughs> and then 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 I thought this he doesn't care if you like him. <laughs> and then I thought this, 
that's what my dad would have done. That's what my dad would have done. I, ne- I was a very good parent. I never did that to Judith and Natalie. You say, why? I wasn't waking up at 5 a.m. to check if they washed the car. <laughs> I would stupor and fall into the car maybe and leave. But, but you, parenting isn't a, isn't a job of being liked. Parent is a job of leading kids to the place where God wants them to be. Psalm chapter 119, verse number two says, blessed are they. Turn there real quick. I want you to see this. This verse has been a huge help to me recently. Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse number two. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies. The word blessed, happy or blessed having the favor of God on you. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies, that seek him with the whole heart. No, so now we can't cross this line. Well, I want to cross it. Well, I, I'm sorry, but we can't do that. Well, I, and, and if you pastor or, or parented, you may have heard something like this. Well, if I'm a parent, I won't have that rule. Well, when you're a parent, you don't have to have that rule, but in this house, we do. But so, yeah, it might be. But this is the rule we're having. Why? Because I'm trying to seek him with my whole heart. So it's not changing. I'm not changing what I believe because you like it or don't like it. We're not voting on walking with God at the Chadwick House. Psalm 119.9, wherewithal shall the young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. Hey, your kid's struggles can't cause you to walk away from God. And there is a great propensity to let that happen because how many of you just want peace in the home sometimes? Okay, if you'll stop arguing, I'll let you do it. Just be quiet. Come on, am I the only one that's ever felt that way in the house? No, honey, I'm sorry, we can't do that. No, son, I'm sorry, we can't do that. You could have a good attitude, you could have a bad attitude, but we're still not going to do that. I'm not mad at you, I'm not trying to be mean to you, but this is what I believe that God would, God would have us do. So no, we're not going to do that. No, you're not going to the prom. I'm sorry, you're not. School sanctioned sexual activity, it's just not happening in this house. The only people bumping and grinding in this house is mom and daddy. You ain't about to go out like that. Well, but everybody does it. I know. We're just called to be different. Number five. Let me just stop and say this. Your job is to protect your kids. Your job is to protect your kids. I don't know about any dude in this church, but if I'm 17 years old and my hands are all over my girlfriend, I'm telling you, my thoughts are not, I'm just telling you right now, my thoughts are not about a Bible devotion. I don't mind the lights being turned low, but it ain't for a time of worship. 
Oh, I know I'm stepping on toes and not everybody's really happy, but that's okay too because we're going somewhere and we're trying to help you get there. I don't want parents to think that they're the only one. No, no, no. So I've had dads say this to me. Well, I, I went to the prom when I was a teenager. Well, what were you thinking? Oh, yeah. You think it's different? Not only has it not changed for the better, it's actually changed for the worse. Number five, always keep Christ and his church a priority. Always keep Christ and his church a priority. Hebrews 10, 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. When it comes to raising, listen, we're on vacation, we're going to church. We're going to church. We're finding a place to go. Uh, and we've been to some weird ones. We've been to some strange ones. Always keep Christ in the church a priority. Uh, Judith and Natalie wanted jobs. Hey, you could have a job, but you're going to church. I should have heard more amens right there. Some of you say, well, when I was growing up, I had to get a job and learn responsibility. Now think about this for just a minute. Think about this for just a minute. We're going to teach our kids responsibility by telling them to abandon their primary responsibility. I understand what it's like in the military. Sometimes you do have duty and I understand different career fields. Sometimes you do have to work and some of you in the medical field, things go on. I, I get all of that, but it's quite another thing to just say, well, Buford got, has a minimum wage job at the car wash and they want him to work on Sunday. Well, tell the car wash I'll work, but, and I'm going to be a great employee. Matter of fact, I'll be the best employee you have, but I'm not working on Sunday. Well, then they might not hire him. Well, somebody else will. It's a minimum wage job. Teach Buford what's most important. Keep Christ first. Keep the church first. The su Sunday, as I understand it in scripture, and I'm being tongue-in-cheek here, is the Lord's day. It's the Lord's day. And keep that first. 15 bucks an hour, or is it 15.50 now, Bree? What is minimum wage in San Diego? 15.50? 15? Is it still January? I think next year goes to 15.50. <sighs> anyway, um, I just say that because of our daycare. I just watch the cost go up. But anyway, I just pray for me. I have a bad attitude right now. Uh, but the reality, the reality is that there's no, there is no amount of money in this world of enough value for me to say, honey, that's the reason why you should, you should not show up to church on Sunday. That money's more valuable than the things of God. I understand there's some exceptions to that, but the church is the Lord's. And it's the day we come together to corporately worship him. And it's a command of his, keep Christ and the church a priority in your life in your life okay i'm just going to read these okay you ready number six have a network of godly folks to help you when your kids are struggling have a network of godly folks to help when your kids are struggling i promise you we'll be done in eight minutes or i'll just start praying 
Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse number 9, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Um, if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat, but how can one be warm alone? If one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Uh, I want to say this, and, and some of you aren't going to like it, but it's just a reality. Kids aren't always going to share their innermost thoughts with their parents. I'm really close to my kids. That's great, but they're still not going to share their innermost thoughts with you. We have mentors in a lot of things. We have mentors in our work. We have mentors in our career. Can I encourage you? Seek help from people who are godly to help you with your kids. I love it when parents come to me and they say something like this. Hey, pastor, my, my son or my daughter is really struggling. Do you think you could just spend some extra time with them? And you know what I do? I go out of my way to spend some extra time with them. Whether it's just sitting down on a bench outside and talking about nothing. And normally my conversations center around nothing and serious. Why? Because I have enough things that are serious to talk about that when I'm sitting with them, I just want to build a relationship with them and talk about just silly stuff. I just enjoy it. I hope they enjoy it or they won't go, I'm going, that is one weird dude. But I enjoy it. I was talking to kids today. Some of our boys made like David like slingshots and I was thankful they weren't trying to like do it at church because I was just fearful of broken things. I wouldn't have minded if they broke something on their body, but breaking something on the building, that would have been a bummer that I just been, been bad. But I want to mentor that. I want to, I want to help with that. You need to have some godly folks in your life that help you with your kids. Listen to me clearly. You cannot do it alone. That's why God's given you the church. I've got pastor friends that help me immensely with my daughters. Uh, they, they call guys around the country. They talk to Uncle Bernie. <laughs> it's kind of creepy. Um, The reason most parents don't ask other people to help with their kids and don't encourage their kids to talk to other people is the parent feels embarrassed. Get over it. I say that in Christ-like love. I, I say that understanding. I say that having gone down the road. My kids are more valuable to me than my own emotions and how I feel about myself. Let some things go. Two are better than one. You say, well, I don't know who I don't know who I'd ever talk to. Here's an idea. I think I could say this biblically. Your pastor and his wife. Well, they might not say everything I want them to say. You have to trust the mentors that God's given you. I don't know all the pastors that Judith and Natalie have talked to. I've given them a lot of numbers to talk to, but you know, I don't even check up on it. I trust those men. I might not like everything that they say. I don't like everything Bernie says. Bernie doesn't like everything I say. We would be different in some areas. It's okay for your kids to hear things. Listen to me. It's great for your kids to hear things from a different perspective. Especially, see, I understand like Anthony King, I'll see him this week. I understand that Pastor King is going to get to the same end state that I am. I'm going to be a lot more fun getting there. He's going to be a lot more serious getting there. He's going to have this scraggly, homeless-looking beard getting there. I'm going to be clean-shaven and handsome getting there. Please, we got to send him a clip of this. Um, but we, 
we are going to, we, we have already started at the same place. I'm just going to trust him. Your kids need some people to talk to other than you. Have a network of people who can help when your kids are struggling. Well, I don't want anybody to know our family business. Repent of your grotesque pride that has the potential to destroy your kids. Repent. What's, what do you have going on in your family that you're afraid of anybody to see? I mean, for, for real. What, what do you, what's going on? What, 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 do you, what do you have to hide? The wicked flee, as I understand the scripture, the wicked flee when no man pursues. But the righteous are bold as a lion. You have the password I have to everything. Anthony King has my password to everything. Fergus Tunnell has my password to everything. John Shifus has my password to everything. Kristen Shifus works part-time with us now typing stuff for me. She now has my password to everything. Not my financial accounts. They would steal, so I can't give those to them. But other than that, email, Twitter, I don't do Facebook. Well, I think I have a Facebook, but I wouldn't know how to get to it. John runs it. Um, and so if it's terrible, blame him. Um, I, I, we focus more on Twitter. Um, I, I just I honestly don't have a, anything to hide. Number next. Oh, two minutes. Okay, number seven. Laugh a lot at yourself and at each other. Always for the point of inclusion. Laugh a lot at yourself. Okay, I gotta tell you this story. I got two minutes to tell the story, all right? The other night, Baxter, my beautiful, wonderful six pound dog, uh, is at the back door and he's wanting to get out. I think it was right before Natalie came home. And he's, he's wanting to get out. And you could tell there was something outside. But we have coyotes and owls in our community and in our, in our neighborhood. And so we have to be a little bit careful of them because, you know, he'll think he can kill the coyotes. So when we do, we have to like get the night vision goggles out and Debbie, you know, gets in her sniper position. <sighs> And so while she's getting everything set up with our pellet gun uh, and, and everything, I go outside and, and we let him out and he goes outside around the little dog kennel that he has and he's just sitting there like, like barking at it. And I'm like, oh, here's what I thought. Like, oh no, there's a mouse back there. And uh, I didn't have any shoes on and it was late at night and I didn't want to talk about, or I didn't want to deal with it, you know, and I thought maybe the mouse was half dead and I'm going to have to clean it up or whatever. So I went over and I looked and I grabbed the little dog kennel that we have for him and I moved him out of the way and it was a possum. It was a giant baby possum. <laughs> a giant baby possum. And possum, if you don't know, they can be pretty aggressive from what I've read because I went home and, or I went back and read about this. And he's looking at me out of the corner of his eye and he's doing one of these things. <laughs> really loud. And Baxter goes up and I'm like, whoa, that's bigger than me. And I, this is what I did. I saw it and I'm like, ah! <laughs> no, no lie. Debbie is in the living room, falls off the couch laughing. She's, she's like, you are the biggest girl I've ever seen. And she said, she said, let me ask you a question. Am I allowed to tell this story to anyone? 
And I said, have I ever told you you couldn't tell any stories? She goes, good point. And so now I have to let the cat out of the bag before her because she'll lie and like embellish and stuff. And then I walked over and I grabbed it by the snout and I sucked its eyeball out and I threw it in the dumps. No, I got Baxter back in the house and I turned a flashlight on and we watched it run away. And uh, you say, why'd you jump like that? I was expecting this and I saw this. Laugh at yourself. Laugh at yourself. You're funny and weird. Laugh at yourself. Laugh at your kids. <laughs> Seriously. But for the point of inclusion, God gave us laughter. And the point of laughter is to draw us together. You can say a lot of things with laughter that you can't say any other way. It's a point of inclusion. Laugh. And I don't mean, again, I want to be clear. I'm not laughing to humiliate. I'm laughing just because it's funny. We're just having a good time. And dad, mom, if you'll laugh at yourself, guess what? It'll change the complexion of your family. Your kids will love it. Don't take yourself so seriously. It's not that important. And you're not that important and neither am I. Finally, Compliment their successes. Romans 12, 15, rejoice with them who rejoice and weep with them that weep. Compliment their successes. I was an athlete growing up. I loved to lift weights. I loved to Olympic lift, but I'll tell you what, I'm not near as good a lifter as Judith and Natalie are. I can lift way more than them. But when it comes to technique and ability and pound for pound strength, they blow me out of the water. People are more impressed with my lifts because the sheer volume, but the true strength is in those two. I love telling stories about their weightlifting all over the country. And I love to high five and work out with them and enjoy them. Now, when it comes to like sports that require a ball and hand-eye coordination, terrible. They are terrible. We just shake our head and like, how do you not know how to throw a ball? Now, Judith can throw a ball pretty well, but if you ever seen Natalie throw a ball, she, she, she looks like a, a salamander with a baseball. You know, like, I, can't, I don't know what to do with this thing. And just like shot puts that thing every time. And she's like, you know, nobody ever taught me how to throw. I'm like, babe, last time you were here, we spent like 45 minutes and we had to chase the ball a hundred times because it's all over the place. And so we laugh about that, but we really want to compliment what they're good at. Your kids might not be as good at some things as you. That doesn't matter. Find out what they're good at and compliment them for it. My dad became a fan of basketball. Before I liked basketball, my dad had never watched a game. He didn't care at all. We were at the airport one time. We saw Jack Sigma, downtown Freddie Brown, Lenny Wilkins, the 1979 Seattle Supersonics, the year they won the championship. We're in the airport. I said, Dad, I think those guys are famous. And my dad goes, yeah, I think they play for the Supersonics. I'm like, how do you know that? He said, they're really tall. <laughs> That's all he knew. They were really tall. But as soon as I fell in love with that, he became a student of the game. And he tells everybody still to this day, oh, Chris is probably one of the greatest high school basketball players in the history of the country, which I was probably the greatest high school basketball player in my house. 
You say, why? Because I've seen my brother and my sister play and they're terrible. But that's probably where it's up. But he wanted to compliment my success. Parents, compliment your kids' success. Don't drive them. Encourage them. Compliment their success. I could talk for hours. I won't. I'm going to pray. We'll be dismissed. Thank you for listening. Hear more messages today at CanyonRidgeBaptist.com. If you're in the San Diego area, please join us for a service. We meet on Sundays at 8.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 5 o'clock p.m. Pacific Time.